Romans 16, and then we'll uh, get, get down here into this verse as we are bringing the book to a conclusion. And uh, this will be the first of uh, three studies of this verse. Uh, verse 27, as we end the book of Romans, and then uh, the next book is 1 Corinthians, but we're going to take a little break and do some other things, I think. That's my plan, and uh, if, that can, if that works, then uh, great. If it doesn't work, then we'll be doing 1 Corinthians, so we'll just keep motoring along as you will. All right, Romans 16, if you will, verse number 25, just to get the context. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And, and again, here as we've, we're coming to the conclusion of the book of Romans, we've spent quite a while in these verses, verse 25 and 26 especially. And now uh, we answered the who, what, where, and when. Now we're going to answer the why and the how. So as we begin to do that and as we begin to look into this, why? Why was the mystery kept a secret? And then how will it all be accomplished? How's it going to work out? And that's really what verse 27 is all about. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So again, the, this is a wonderful doxology here to the end of the book. And, and really, if you come back to chapter 11, just real quick here, chapter 11, as Paul ends the third section, the third foundational block in the book of Romans, chapters 9, 10, and 11, he ends it this way, verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And that wonderful, overwhelming uh, praise and glory and the riches of the wisdom of God. And again, it, he ends this section in 9, 10, and 11 that way because what has he done? <laughs> He's interrupted Israel's program, put it on, on pause to come and do the heavenly program with the body and start the body of Christ and so forth. And look at the wisdom of that. And that's what Paul's drawing your attention to. So as we come into 1627, to God only wise... Now he's going to draw our attention again to the wisdom of God. But in doing that, he's going to demonstrate why the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, but now was made manifest, why that was kept a secret. Why was there a mystery to begin with? Why is it unsearchable? Why, why did he do that? And then how's it all going to work out for uh, uh, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So we'll look at that. Now, as we begin to look at this verse, 
you have to catch the, the phrasing, the, the way that Paul turns the phrase, to God only wise. This is the only place Paul says this. He doesn't say it this way in any other place. Now, if you come over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And just give me one second. I had a verse here. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Hang on, give me just a second. I was going to look for this verse earlier and it slipped my mind. So, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do. Okay, 1 Timothy 1, look at verse 17. Watch how Paul says it here. Now, unto to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice how he said it there, to the only wise God. But in Romans, it's to God only wise. Those aren't the same thing. They're different. First Timothy, he's the only God. He's the only wise God. In other words, we've looked around, there's no other God like him. There is no other God, period. Every, all the other gods are the little g's, remember? Uh, when, when, he, uh, when Paul talks to the Corinthians there about, as for us, what do we know? There's only one God. That's what 1 Timothy 1 is doing. He's saying, hey, here's, here's the only wise God. There's only one God, and, he's, and here he is. But in Romans 16, Paul didn't say that. He said, to God only wise. All right? So what, when you, you have to notice those differences, and when you come back to Romans 16, what he's doing in Romans 16 is he's telling you there is an opportunity for another creature to think that they are wise. See, if, if it was to God, to only, to to the only wise God, that indicates there's what? Only one. But he doesn't say that. He says, to God, who is what? Only wise. That indicates that there's somebody else that's going to say, I'm as wise as God. You follow that? So as we begin to get into it, and as we catch what's happening here, we need to understand something. And when you go back to Romans 16, you, you begin to see that in the context who for the first time have we been introduced to in the book of Romans, in Romans 16? A little guy by the name of Satan. Verse seven, if, so the context here, for the very first time, what, what, who do we see here? Again, as we're concluding Romans, what do we begin to learn about this creature named Satan? What do we begin to see? Paul contains a ton of doctrinal information about how Satan operates today in the age of grace. And we begin to learn that he is launching an attack against God, against God's people, and against his plan and purpose, and how we need to be equipped, established, verse 25, 
to not only grow to the next level of edification, but to also be able to defend the adversary's attack. So for the very first time in Romans 16, we're introduced that, that Satan is not attacking the way he did in the Gospels. You remember how he did it in the Gospels, come in and demon possession. He's not doing that today. And we begin to learn that. Look back, go back to Romans 16. And again, 1 Timothy, when you see Paul talk about to, to uh, the only wise God, because he'll say stuff similar to that. Well, God is the only God, and he's the only But in Romans 16, he's not talking, he's not saying that. He's saying there's somebody else out there that thinks they've got just as wise of a plan as God does. So literally what begins to happen is, is we have a, a contest of wisdom. Whose wisdom plan is man going to believe? Satan needs it to be that. Because if it was might and power, Satan's doomed. Because God created Satan and he can deal with that. So it is, And God doesn't want it to be about power. God wants it to be about volition. You choose to do what? Follow my wise plan or follow Satan's wise plan. You choose. And then ultimately you're going to pay the consequences of that choice. Look at verse 17. 16, 17. Now, I, and just remember the context here of where when Paul says to God only wise, we sit. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. So we're talking about learned doctrine. We're talking about the book of Romans, by the way. All right? Now, down a little further, we'll get more doctrine, and you can put that in there. But right here, we're talking about Romans. Verse 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. So self-interest. And how are they going to do this? By good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So Satan, he's attacking <laughs> in what manner? Not demon possession, not legion, not, you know. No, good words and fair speeches. He's going to use men to do it. Humanity becomes his channel of operating through. Just like God is going to use humanity to accomplish his plans in the earth and in the heaven. Satan's doing the same thing. Satan's a great copycatter. That, that's why you don't want those new Bibles around you. Because look over at uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I think it is. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Just give you a, a hint here. 1 Corinthians 11, look at verse 1. Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You know what the new Bibles do? They pull the follower out and they put in imitator. All right? Be ye imitators of me. Do you know who the great imitator in the Bible is? Satan. See? So instead of following Paul, like he's going to, now we're going to imitate. <laughs> no, we follow. We're, we're, you know, okay? So when, go back to Romans 16. I, that's, a little, that's a little side caveat for you. You can work that out in your thinking maybe. Look at verse 19. So the attack is going to be against the doctrines you've learned. It, the methodology is going to be good words and fair speeches. 
the, the simple here are those that are not properly founded in the doctrines learned. Verse 19, here's the answer. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. Obedience. See, obedience to who? The, to the doctrines learned. To what does God's word say for me today in the age of grace? I'm going to obey that. Or am I going to obey the good words and fair speeches? See, you've got this choice here. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning the evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So right now, if you operate in the doctrines learned, what are you doing in that ultimate conflict of the ages with Satan? What are you, you're bruising him. Okay? Now, I know one day out in the future, God uses the, he the church and the heavenly to, to destroy Satan. I get that. But here in the context, we're not there. We're here right now. So if I'm going to be a part of the defeat of the adversary, then what do I have to do? I have to walk in, that, in the right wisdom plan. See? To God only wise. The context. While Satan attacks... Again, good words, fair speeches. The only hope we have is obedience to what God is communicating to the church, the body of Christ. That's the only way to defeat the adversary. That's the only way to, to bruise him. Okay? So Paul, in this foundational doctrine uh, epistle, he introduced us to not only the edification process, but also, he introduces us to Satan. The first time he uses the word Satan is right there in verse 20. He doesn't use it anywhere else. We don't need to go back in the Old Testament. Well, we, we are going to here in a little bit, if time allows us this morning. We don't, you know, to learn anything about Satan, But because Paul's going to demonstrate to us who, who this character is. So in the immediate context, see, God, he's establishing you, verse 25, according to that blueprint, the, the proper edification. Here, here's how God's word is working. And what Satan's going to do is take God's word and try to deceive people. He's going to be scriptural, but not dispensational. And Paul, he comes in, he says, hey, my gospel, according to my gospel, the information given to Paul and the preaching of Jesus Christ, According to, not in the gospel manner, not in the Old Testament, but this new manner, this new role, this new information. And what Satan is going to do is he's coming in to seek to move you away from that. And he's going to do that through the issues of a wise plan, wisdom. So in verse 27, when Paul says to God only wise, the issue here to me... <laughs> seems to be an, uh, the, the emphasis is, and, and what we really need to sit here, is that issue here is, is that God, not only is God the only one, there's no other God like him, all right? But rather, we need to make, God through Paul is making allowance for an, someone else to come along and to say, I'm just as wise. So the emphasis isn't on to God only, it's the emphasis on that wise, the wisdom. And I'll show you why here in, in just a second. Come back with me to John 17, just to catch 
to, to make a, a different a, a distinction here a diff, in this. John 17, and notice verse 3. John 17, 3. Now this is the Lord, Jesus Christ, talking to His Father. John 17 is the real Lord's Prayer. Not Matthew 6, sorry. Okay. He says, and this is life eternal, that they might know Thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see that? That's 1 Timothy 1. The only wise God. The only true God. There's no allowance for anyone to be God other than who? God. Okay? But that's not... Now go back to Romans 16. That's not what Paul's communicating here. He says to God only wise. And what that phrase tells us is we need to make an allowance that there's someone else out there who's making a claim that they are just as wise as God. Okay? And we have to understand that that creature, by the way, both man and Satan, they believe that they stand equal with God in the area of what? Wisdom. It isn't the creative power. Satan knows he isn't that. That's why in Isaiah 14, he'll say, I will be like the Most High. I'm not the Most High. Now, ultimately, he's going to try to make that claim, by the way. But right now, I just need you to catch to, to God only wise. And when you think about that and you look at that, you begin to understand that, hey, <laughs> Satan is going to make a claim of what? I'm just as wise as God. Now, come back to chapter 1 of Romans and watch how we started the book of Romans. And just take Romans 1 and Romans 16, 27 and just kind of bend them where you can look at them. We were talking the other night. The, I know you guys are on your techie stuff, but when you're on your techie stuff, you cannot see the whole page. You can't. You only see what you're, where you're at. So you miss what? The broader context. You, your eye doesn't go there. It, it just, you know. And I'm not against the techie stuff. I use it all the time, too. But when you get into studying, your eye's not going to catch some of this because you're pinpointing it. So we're going to do it here. Paul is going to demonstrate that God's wisdom is unmatched. All right? Because there's an attempt to say, I'm equal to God on the wisdom plane. And what Paul's going to do is the way he ended the book is going to match up to the way he started the book. You follow me? Romans 1, look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be what? Now this is man, verse 22. 21, because that when they, this is man, knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. What, notice where Paul starts when he starts dealing with the condition of humanity. Here's humanity's condition. You're a sinner. You have sin, you have sins, you have all this. You're, you're going against God in, in God's word. And you know what man thinks? that they're smart, that they're wise. Well, what does 1627 say? 
to God only wise. You know what man's got to learn? You ain't wise. By the way, that's what chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5 demonstrate. Man in their wisdom isn't going to get the deal done. See? Humanity, how can you think that you're the same, on the same level as God? You know what that is called? Pride. That's what that's called. Do you know what got Satan cast out? And, uh, pride. Got him. We'll see that here in, in a minute. See, Satan thought he was as wise as God, but what does man think? Same thing. See how they've bought into the lie program. Look at verse 23. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So what did they do? They changed the glory of God, didn't they? Now, go back. look, look back there at 1627. To God only wise be what? Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Notice that. Man comes in, they think they know who God is, they think they know what he's doing, and what does man do in their own wisdom is they take the glory of God and do what? Corrupt it, change it, bring it out of heaven's glory and put it down in the mud puddle. Actually, they put it down there to the creeping things, and you know what you do with creeping things? You squish them, you step on them, right? We just did that the other day at our house. You know, big old hairy spider going across there. You know, what do you you know what you call the cowboy boots with the real point toes? Those are the roach killers, you know, get in that corner and get them, you know, gig them. And but that's what man's done with what? The glory of God. But what does God have? <laughs> what did verse 27 say? To glory through. I'm sorry, be glory through. Jesus Christ forever. They take the glory of God and they change it. Now, look at verse 23. They change it into an image made like to corruptible man. Well, in 1627, be glory through who? The God-man. See? So what does man do? Man says, I'm going to be God, and they make they bring the glory down to him, and Hebrews 1 verse 3 says Jesus Christ is the very image of God. So man in his wisdom, professing to be wise, deglorifies God, carnalizes the glory of God, takes God and puts it into a, the corruptible image of man. See? Paul ends it by saying what? No. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ. For how long? Forever. Look, if you will, there at, at verse 25, chapter 1. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, Paul ends Romans in a consistent with Romans 1, the way he starts the book. Man is operating in their own wisdom, and you know what it results in, or what it ought to result in, is them understanding that who's the only wise, to God only wise. But yet, what does man have? What is man doing? I got my wisdom. I'm as wise as God. 
I, I professing to be wise, I became a what? A fool. Do you, you follow what he's doing here? Come over. By the way, if you go, you can let, go back to chapter 16. Man, so this issue of to God only wise is allowing us to see another creature or creatures, if you will, man and Satan, to be able to claim to be what? Wise. Because that's what man's going to do. They believe the lie. Back there in 125, the lie was, you remember the lie? Genesis chapter 3, he looks at Eve and says, Eve, God, there's something God knows that he doesn't want you to know. So if you join me, I'll give you the decoder ring and the decoder code, and you can figure out what God's hiding from you because he's hiding something from you. And then you can be like those gods over there, the angelic realm, and you can go and do and fly and all this wonderful stuff. And he enticed her by what she saw, lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. See. So what does man think? I'm just as wise as God. I got him figured out. By the way, if you listen to any of the modern-day Christianity, you know what they think? That way. You think you just go down to the local sports, you know, eatery, and guess what they think? They think the same way. They don't have a problem. They have no idea that they're sinners. They have no. All they know is that they're going to stand in judgment of him one day. So how do we beat the system? You know, it, it's funny. They <laughs> government comes in. Thou shalt not do this. You know what man says? Yeah, we'll figure out a way around that. And you know, history's full of it. You know. And yet, here we are. So, in 1627, uh, to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Now, that's going to link us to 1 Corinthians. So, come to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. By the way, in, verse, in Romans 16, verse 17 and 18, also are going to link us to 1 Corinthians. That's how you know 1 Corinthians is to be the next book. Each of Paul's epistles linked to the next one in the chain. Okay? And as we go through them, I'll hope, try and point those out to you. And we've done a study like that before in the past. But the thing is, is look at this issue about wisdom. By the way, Romans 16, 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. If you look there in chapter 1, if you look at verse number 10 of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, if you look at verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So obviously what's going on at Corinth? Divisions and contentions and everything. By the way, if you look at verse 12, verse 11, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Where's the contentions? Good words and fair speeches. We ought to be doing what Jesus did. Boom. And off they go. That's, a, that's a one section. The back section says, no, we need to be following Peter because he's the rock and he's the guy. By the way, he's not the rock, but he's the man. The other side comes over here and says, no, we need to be following Apollos because he's smooth, man. He's good. He's come out of the latest stuff. He's got the latest PowerPoints and boom and all the gadgets. And the other group says, no, we need to follow Paul 
But that's not Paul doctrinally, that's Paul personally, in the person of Paul. And how was Paul personally, see? You know, he kept the rules, he did this and, and everything. So, but what's going on? So Romans is going to link in. But what I want you to notice is the wisdom issue. Look at verse 17. Because there's an, there's an issue in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3 that Paul's going to deal with concerning to God only wise. Verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words. Well, there's the attack, good words and fair speeches. But a wisdom of, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I'll give you an illustration. We've all heard that water baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. Do you know that that is a wisdom of words and it makes the cross of Christ of none effect? Is there activity in Scripture that is an outward working of an inward faith? Yes, but not you. That's Israel, little flock, believing remnant. See, you and I don't have that. See, we have an inward working, period. Now, Ephesians 2.10 says that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There is some outward activity for us to do, but it comes from an inward motivation, see. But what do we do? Wisdom of words. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God, for it is written... Again, I'll remind you, that's how Paul talks about the Old Testament. Not it's fulfilled, but it is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. What's happening here? What's he doing? He's saying, hey, the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of the world looks at you and I as we, as we trust a Savior that died on the cross. And you know what the world says? You're... That's just a plain, everyday, ordinary Jew that you're believing that did this. And they degrade, bring, corrupt it down, and they look at you and say, you're a fool. What do you mean you go to church on Sunday from, for three hours and then come back in the evening for another hour and a half or two or three or however long it is? And then you, you get together on a Monday night and a Wednesday night and a Friday night. What, what, what is wrong with you? That's what, that's what they say. You know how I know that? They say that to me. <laughs> okay. You're a nutcase. See? And what is that? That is the wisdom of this world. But it's what? They look at everything as foolish. And you know what the Lord says? I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to come along and I'm going to destroy it. And I'm going I'm to just lay it waste. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the notice the questions? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Where are they? When you think about God's wisdom, where is it manifested for all of the world to see? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the preaching of the what? The cross is to them that perish what? Foolishness. You see, the demonstration of his wisdom is Calvary. 
Because you would have never thought to ask God to send somebody to save your dirty, rotten, rascal. You know what you're going to say? I can do it. Give me something to do, and I can get her done. You're going to claim the same thing Israel said to Moses. Whatever you tell me, we'll do. No, 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 no. See, verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There it is. See, the wisdom, see, we're in a wisdom battle for your mind, for your thinking. Come over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Notice how the testimony of God, the wisdom of God, is connected to Calvary, the crucifixion. Now, that's not Paul's ministry verse there, by the way. That's really a rebuke against the Corinthians because they haven't grown past Romans 1 to 5. See? They're stuck in baby land. Actually, in chapter 3, he calls them babes, carnal. Verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So where am I standing? Not in the wisdom of some man, By the way, you see how Paul's talking about him and what he's doing? That's how you know back there in chapter 11 and chapter 1, when they say we're of Paul, they're talking about him as a man, not as an apostle. Because as an apostle, there wouldn't have been the sects. They would have been saying the same thing, the sections, okay? Me as a man, see? He says, I didn't come down there preaching to you like I was just some Joe Schmo guy. I came in the power of God. Come over to, again, (laughs) The wisdom of man? No, you need to be in God's wisdom. Paul is making the argument concerning the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God. So in 1627, to God only wise. There are, there's, man's going to claim to be wise. It isn't going to work. Come over to chapter 3. Well, you're, I'm sorry, you're in chapter 2. Drop down to verse 7. Verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, I want you to catch verse 8, which none of the princes of this world, what? Knew it. For knew it, the hidden wisdom. Okay, for had they known it, the hidden wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Notice very carefully there that what is, for right now, just catch in verse 8, what is the demonstration of the wisdom of God? The crucifixion. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord is God's unparalleled wisdom, unmatched And if the adversary knew it, you know what? He wouldn't have nailed him. He wouldn't have did what he did. But yet, what do we know from, hold on to 1 Corinthians. Look over at Ephesians 2. 
Ephesians. See, if the adversary knew what was going on and what the wisdom of God, that hidden wisdom, the wisdom kept in God, the dispensation of grace and the body of Christ and all that, he would not have gone in and used humanity to carry out his wisdom plan, which was to crucify the Lord, kill him. Because he's Israel's Messiah, and if I can kill Israel's Messiah, then God can't use Israel to reclaim the earth. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. In time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Satan uses humanity. Right there. And he uses the lust of your flesh and the lust of and the, the desires of your mind and all that. And he uses that for you to go up against what? God's wisdom program. So when come back to 1 Corinthians, come to chapter 3. So when we say that, hey, in order to have salvation unto eternal life, just trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, believe in that faith and faith in that alone and nothing else, no more activity. You don't have to pray the sinner's prayer. You don't have to jump in the baptismal. You don't, even have, you don't have to do anything but in the heart of hearts. You know what the world says? That's foolishness, man. It can't be that simple. But what did we just demonstrate? We demonstrated the God's wisdom. And what did the world say? Eh, thanks for playing. Look at chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Look down at verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Psalm 94. The wisdom of the world. Look at that. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with who? With God. So you know what it ought to be? Foolishness with you. But yet, what do we do? We tap into the latest and greatest motivational Facebook app and page and all that stuff, and we got all this flowery stuff, and we're not in reality anymore. We're over here, you know, in uh, fairy dust and moon dancing, you know, and all this stuff. It's like, good grief, man. No, let's get back over here where we belong. It's vain. Look, look at verse 20. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, and they are vain. Vanity, empty. There's nothing to them. I was reading, well, come back to Romans 16. I'll, be, I'll behave. Well, why? Why behave? Why start now, right? You know, <laughs> we're on a roll, right? You, you see, folks, what, when Paul ends, you know, go back to 1 Corinthians 2. That's where we're going to next. When Paul ends the book of Romans here, don't forget how we started Romans. Man is operating with a distorted sense of wisdom. They think, man thinks they're the crowning achievement of God's wisdom. But what is really the crowning achievement? The cross, see. And they look at the cross as what? What foolishness. But yet, what does God do? He looks at it and says, there's my wisdom plan on display. And I'm defeating man's wisdom at every turn. To God only wise. Okay? 
So we have humanity. Now I'll come back to 1 Corinthians 2 where we were just reading because we're going to have another character, the adversary, Satan, Lucifer. Look at verse 6, 2-6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. By the way, perfect there is mature, maturity. If you write down by that verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that the, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect. How does he get to be perfect? All scripture is given, it's profitable, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. Perfect, verse 17, at the end of that word perfect is a comma. Here's what that word means. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Maturity. So what Paul's doing with the Corinthians here is he says, listen, I want to take you guys on into your maturity, but you're not ready yet. So I'm not going to violate the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and I'm just going to hammer away and rebuke and, and try to get you there, repro uh, reprove you. Okay? And he does it through, we have two letters in Scripture and at least two other letters. So we're, we're working through that. But he says there, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. You have two categories of wisdom there. The wisdom of this world, man's wisdom. Romans 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. See, So we have two categories here. If you look there at verse 8, the second category the princes of this world. The wis There's a wisdom of the princes, verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it. See, there's a, the second category is the princes of this world. So, Satan, so you've got man and the way he thinks. By the way, the reason man thinks the way he thinks is he's bought into who? Satan. So you've got Satan, the way Satan thinks. And the way he thinks is he has an equality with God concerning wisdom. He says, I'm on the same level as God in the area of wisdom. Okay? And he makes that claim. So Paul, as he's expanding the, 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 the information here, is he also now brings Satan, not just humanity, Romans 1, but now at 1 Corinthians 2, who's also on board? The adversary. Okay? Now come over to chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. So man's going to learn from Satan, and here it is, verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility. I love that. Crafty. Slip. He's going to slip in here. All right? He's not, it, this is not moving heaven and earth and moving a mountain and causing an earthquake. This is just, yea, hath God said. You remember that in Genesis 3? He's not in here healing the sick and raising the dead and doing all. He just said what? Yea, hath God said. So you see his wisdom? He's, he's not, he, nah, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just going to get him to doubt God's word. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So what's Satan doing here? Satan is slipping into your Bible. That's what he's doing, if, if I can say it that way. And what's he doing when he slips in? Yea, hath God. Did God really say that his son was going to be born of a virgin? Well, yeah. 
Christ. But we don't need we don't want that because that makes the Lord Jesus Christ the God man. So what do we do? Instead of his instead of Joseph and his mother, what do we say? His father and his mother. And what do we begin to cast a shadow of? You see how okay? That's what he begins to do. It's Colossians 1:14. We have forgiveness through the redemption that's in his blood. Wow, we don't want the blood in there because that draws your attention back to where? The crowning achievement of God's wisdom, the cross. So we just remove the blood. Now we just have the, the forgiveness of sins, and we don't know how. <laughs> how did that happen? Hoodly do, you know. Or factual reality here. So first of all, he's slipped into your Bible, and then notice it's, so your minds should be corrupted. So now the realm of operation is in your thinking. See? It's not in your situation. It's not in your circumstances. What's he doing here? Think about Eve. What was her situation? She's in the Garden of Eden, eastward in Eden. She's got available to her every asset, resource known to man, except for one little thing, okay? By the way, do you know that God, when God told Adam, don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, he never told them where that location was? And yet, where did Eve say? In the midst. That means somebody told her where it was at. You see, there's more in the conversation that's happening between the adversary and Satan than recorded in Genesis 3. Who told you you were naked? Well, somebody did when he finally caught up to him. See, you see, there's more going on in that than just what you read. There, there's some conversation, and what's he after? He's after to corrupt her thinking. So what's he doing to you and I? Corrupt our thinking. To cause us to think that God's doing something that he's not doing. So he gets you to look at your situations, your circumstances. Come down to verse 13. Here's how he does it. For such are false apostles and deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So who's he using? Men. He's using preachers, good words and fair speeches. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So Paul, come back to chapter 2, verse 6. He opens up here with these two categories in 1 Corinthians. And when we get over there, we'll, we'll spend uh, years looking at this. And he opens up with this, now with this tremendous doctrinal information about Satan. And now God is going to go after this creature, Satan, the adversary, who opposes him. And he opposes what God's doing. Because the creature thinks he's what? Just as wise as God. Now, go back with me. we got time to do this. I got a note, if time. We got time. Come back. Come back with me to Ezekiel 28. By the way, Ezekiel 28, as you're going there, in Ephesians 2, that verse we read a minute ago, verse 2, the prince, the power of the air, the prince, he's the top ruler, the chief ruler of the power, that's the governmental authority the power to execute the warrant in, of the air, and that's in the air. That's the invisible realm, okay? And you know that by going and looking at places like in Luke 8 and so forth when he talks about 
the air and the fowls and that being devil in the explanation of the parable, okay? So when, you, when we talk about the princes of this world, we're talking about the adversary and how he's in charge of this world right now, okay? So uh, you find Ezekiel 28 now? Okay, good. All right, it's on page 871 if you got the right Bible, all right? Which I know you don't because I have a different Bible than you. I get that, okay? As far as the, the publisher is concerned, okay? Look at verse 3. 28.3, 28.2, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, and in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, and not God, though thou sit, set thine heart as the heart of God. So, the prince of Tyrus here, historically is a man. But that's not who Ezekiel's talking to. He's talking to the guy behind the man. The adversary. Specifically here, he's going to talk about the Antichrist. That's who he's talking about, but he's talking to Satan. Because of verse 3. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. Do you know that no one walked the earth after Daniel that was as wise as Daniel, except for the Lord Jesus Christ? See? So the prince of the Tyrus would never say, I'm wiser than Daniel. And by the way, verse 3 doesn't say he says that. Verse 3 says what? You are wiser than Daniel. Thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. So what does Satan think? I'm wiser than Daniel. I'm wiser than Solomon, King Solomon. So guess what? There's nothing out there that I don't know what's going on. Now, how did God get him? He kept a secret. See? Verse 12. Son of man take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. So the prince of Tyrus, there's the Antichrist. The king of Tyrus, here's Satan himself. Here's the head guy. Okay, king is higher than a prince. Prince is a king in waiting. All right, we have Prince Harry, Prince William, King Charles. I love that, King Charles. Okay, I'm, my first name's Charles, so I get the... But he's the third, by the way, King Charles the third. I'm the third, so, all right? I'll take all dignitaries later, dignities late. okay? Anyway, hey, I, I get there just like you do. Look at verse 12. Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Here's his original crea creation. Here's when God created Lucifer, who falls and becomes Satan. Thou hast been in Eden and the garden of God. Now, real quick, who was in Eden, the garden of God? Adam and Eve, the Godhead, and Satan. That's how you know who he's talking to, not the man that's filling the office. All right? Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. So he's perfect in what? beauty and the uh, thy workmanship of thy ta ta uh, tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created thou art the anointed cherub that covereth and I have set thee so thou wast upon the holy mountain of God thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created now stop there you have here's Satan Lucifer he has set 
God, God set Lucifer right underneath him. He's the, he's, he is the sum of, sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He's got that built-in orchestra, and he's got all that beauty, and his job as the anointed cherub was to lead the universe, to lead the angelic realm, to lead creation in praise and worship of God. Okay? Well, he got to looking down at himself. By the way, the throne room of God, the floor is described as a molting looking glass. Well, if he's over it and he's looking down, what's he seeing? Man, dude, I'm a pretty good looking guy. I'm King Charles III. You know, he's just getting to strut his stuff. Look at all this. The, the whole universe responds to me. So guess what? <laughs> I guess I'm like God. Now finish verse 15. Till iniquity was found in thee. And I'm going to tell you something. When you study that word iniquity or you see that word iniquity, it is always associated with the adversary. Somehow, some manner in the context. Because iniquity doesn't exist with Adam and Eve sinning in the garden. Iniquity is what? Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2, back in the very, before Adam and Eve. So iniquity, what does he have? Iniquity, what is that? Well, verse 17, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that thou May, that they may behold thee. First Timothy chapter 3, verse number 6, Paul uses this reference to the younger preacher coming on board that he's not be a novice and given and, and the opportunity of, the, of pride that got Satan. You know, what, you know what the iniquity of the adversary was? Pride. I'm just as good looking as God. I'm just as wise as God. I'm wiser than Daniel. I, I, I'm the sum full of it. There's nothing any of these jokers out here can do that I don't know already. See. Now come over to Isaiah 14. Because it's at this moment that Isaiah 14 is developed in the heart of, the, uh, uh, of Lucifer. Isaiah 14. He's the smartest. He's the most beautiful. When he says, this side of the universe sing at this octave, and this side over here sing at this baritone, and they, what do they do? Tenor, Bert, and they do it. See, the, the creation is interacting with him as Lucifer, the anointed cherub. So pride gets him, and he got a little fat head. But he developed a plan. Verse 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? By the way, your new Bibles change that, son of the morning, and they change it to the morning star. But do you know who the morning star is in Scripture? The Lord Jesus Christ. So they just put Lucifer and Christ on the same level, didn't they? That sounds a little Mormonism to me, but that's where but that's where it comes from. Anyway, verse 12. How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weakenest the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. So what is his ultimate goal? To ascend into heaven. So he's got three branches of government, three branches, uh, three realms here that he has to conquer, three areas that he's got to get over. And so he starts, I will exalt my throne, realm one, branch one, I will exalt my throne above the, the stars of God. There, exalt my throne. 
Number two, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So I'm going to sit upon that place of accountability. I'm going to be the judge. And then in verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'm going to be up there. So he's going to take over the king, priest, and prophet role. He's going to take over the three realms of government, the three branches of of the universe. And with the goal, verse number 14, I will be like the Most High. The ultimate, the, the result of him ascending, the ultimate goal is to be like the Most High. You take the Most High, you, um, you run back to Genesis 14, we don't have the time to do it, and you understand that the Most High, that title means possessor of heaven and earth. And it's at this moment, after pride has entered him, he develops this three-point plan, his five I wills, if you will, and he says, I'm going to do this and this, and he goes out into the angelic realm and he merchandises it. We didn't get down in, in, in Ezekiel and read that. He sells it. What do you do with merchandise? You sell it. And he's selling his scheme to be what? Like them. If you follow me, guess what? We're going to be like the Most High. We're going to to equal him. We will actually overthrow him. God. Man, he gets Eve to think the same way. And he's got him. Now, come back to Romans 16. All of that, Romans 16, 27, Paul ends Romans with a statement directed really at Satan and ultimately at man and his wisdom. He corrupted his wisdom and he's carrying out the I will be like the most high plan and policy. And when he says to God only wise, Paul, God through Paul is allowing, an, uh, there's an allowance of someone else to say I'm as wise as God is. He's not God I'm as wise as. And what does man do? Romans 1 says the same thing. Okay? Now, we only scratched the surface because we didn't get the why. Why was it kept secret? Because what did Paul, what is, what, what, where does the Lord defeat the adversary? In the wisdom plan. Calvary, see. And we'll look into all that next time, all right? Just kind of kept... To God only wise, what's Paul getting at? There's there's other creatures who think they are just as wise as God. Now, is he the only God? Yes. Is he the only wise God? Yes. But that makes no allowance for there to be another God. Here Paul's making allowance for this issue of this. There's going to be the ultimate uh, battle, the cosmic battle, that's raged down through since Genesis 1 of who's got, who's got, whose wisdom is going to win in the end. By the way, we know the end of the story. God's wisdom does. But see, the adversary, no, I'm going to take as many with me as I can. Okay? I hope you catch that, what's going on there. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I just thank you for all that are here, to study and to look into these things, and to just rejoice in the fellowship uh, around who we are in you. In your name we pray.